and welcome to December's edition of the Lost Map Podcast. I am your host, Pictish Trail. I'm speaking to you from my shed grotto on the Isle of Egg, and I'm here to guide you through this month's new music on Lost Map Records. And yes, it is a Christmas special. Depending on when you're listening to this in December, your level of Christmas spirit may vary, but I'm I'm all primed right now for a very merry one indeed. The reason for this is because I've been listening to a suitably festive compilation, The Lost Map Christmas Card, which features nine seasonal songs from various members of our label roster. If you're a subscriber to Postmap Club, your Christmas card will be on its way to you already, accompanied by postcards from Glitchpop producer Kinboat and a brand new signing, Jenny Moore's Mystic Business, but more on those two later on. Have you ever been part of a fan club? Do you remember those things where you would send a stamped addressed envelope to a P.O. box number somewhere in Milton Keynes or or was it Ashford in Kent? Well, Postmap Club is kind of like that, except instead of sending us a stamped addressed envelope, we want you to send us cash. <clears throat> Postmap Club is our membership club in which we send you postcards in the post every month. These printed postcards contain download codes where you can download new music that we've released on the label, alongside exclusive tracks live sessions, rarities, audio experiments from artists on the Lost Map Collective. When you sign up, you also get a membership badge. Oofed. Uh, And also a monthly newsletter from me, as well as discount codes for other merchandise on our website. It's a nice way for you to support what we're doing as a label. And if you enjoy this podcast and you like the music that you're hearing, you should sign up. There are three tiers of membership starting at just £3 a month. And all three tiers get exactly the same stuff, so you're not missing out on anything if you can't afford to pay more. The only difference is if you pay more, you get a slightly bigger badge. That's true, actually. We've got three different sized badges. It's pretty cool. We're pretty cool. For limited time, there's also a new gift membership. You can give someone the gift of a membership to Postmap Club, where we'd send them a package of postcards every month throughout 2021. It's 50 quid inclusive of postage for the year and we'll send them the Lost Map Christmas card on your behalf to let them know. If you have someone in your life who's a fan of Lost Map or even just a fan of new music in general, this would be a nice Christmas present. You can find out more by going to lostmap.com forward slash club. Postmap Club, Postmap Club, Postmap Club, it's a very nice club. In today's episode, we've got quite a lot to get through, so we'll start off by keeping it festive. For our Christmas card this year, we commissioned a batch of different artists to create original Christmas songs, and the result is a compilation of nine songs. Really amazing. The first track on the card is by Happy Clarinetti. Now, Happy Clarinetti are an offshoot of the band Happy Spendy, who are a lo-fi Casio pop group whose album You're Doing OK we released on Lost Map earlier on this year. That album was a collection of their first three EPs and the music that they're creating as Happy Clarinetti is a reimagining of that music but replacing the Casio keyboards with a clarinet. The clarinet's quite a festive instrument, right? It always makes me think of the Kenosha Kickers from Home Alone, John Candy's clarinet-based polka band. Polka, polka, no? No, it's a big hit. Anyway, they seem like an obvious choice for this Christmas compilation. Happy Clarinetti 
tackled an unreleased Christmas song that they recorded as Happy Spendy about two years ago. The song is called I Remember Christmas, and it started life two years before Happy Spendy, even, when the core members of the band were making grungy punk pop as Marble Gods. It's such a great song that we've included all three versions of I Remember Christmas on this compilation, all of which have been remastered. Instead of just playing the tracks from the compilation, though, we thought we'd get a bit of background on the artists involved and have a bit of Christmas fun. So throughout today's episode, you're going to hear the artists reveal their festive top fives, a countdown of what makes Christmas special to them across a variety of different topics. First up is Emer Coyle, happy clarinetti singer, who is going to divulge her top five Christmas foods. Top five best things at a Christmas Eve. Food. <laughs> Lovely. Hello, my name is Emer Coyle and I play in Happy Spendy, Happy Clarinetti. <laughs> and this year I've also had the pleasure of joining Friends of the Guinness. So it's been it's been quite a nice year music-wise. I've been asked to do my top five Christmas foods, which is a treat for someone, you know, I would describe myself as someone who loves Christmas and food. So, ideal. Right, here we go. Coming in at number five is the golden coins you know then we pack of golden coin chocolates um we would usually get them in our stockings some from santa you know so quite a special place in my heart they'll usually start the day eating wise um breakfast coins they're actually not the nicest chocolate but um look, you know it's a bit of a novelty having this chocolate money i do like chocolate and money so <laughs> pretty good right number four i've got melon now I don't know what melon I'm talking about, but not watermelon, like a kind of yellow, yellow and white one. We would usually have that for a starter, famously in the Coyle household. And I, it's just quite Christmassy for me. It's quite refreshing. You know, you've had a few bucks fizzes and now it's time definitely for a wee melon just before, before you get into it. Quite refreshing, a nice little fruit there. And I, I wouldn't really have it year round. You know, it's, it's kind of exclusively Christmas for me. Number three, I've picked the Pink Fudge Quality Street. Um, like a great wee sweet, a quality piece of sweet. <laughs> ah, it's just so sugary and so fudgy. And uh, I do like the pink as well. So pink fudge coming in third. And now number two is a big one, stuffing. So I'm thinking sage and onion stuffing. Is it by OXO? Um, ah, well, it's number two. I mean, you can't have Christmas without stuffing. It's so good. And oh, ah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, to be honest, on the 25th. Now, coming in at number one, you can't have Christmas without stuffing and you simply can't have stuffing without gravy. So number one, it's gravy. Whatever you have in your plate on Christmas, just cover it in gravy and you'll be um, you'll be laughing all the way to the bank. So that has been my top five and I just want to wish you all a very happy Christmas and I hope you have at least a few of those foods on the 25th or throughout the season. Bye. <laughs> Right, I've just checked there and the I was wrong. The stuffing is made by Paxo. Um, sage and onion stuffing by Paxo, not Oxo. Um, they make the gravy. <laughs> and also, um, I've just checked the melon that I'm on about. It's called Honeydew. Um, aye, so there you go. And also, I just must say, is gravy a food? Apologies if it's not. Is it, it's not a drink, so I know it's liquid, but a bit of a grey area there. Um, but aye, it's still my number one. All right, bye. Happy Christmas. Woo! <laughs>
love a pint of gravy. What a great Christmas song too, right? That was Happy Clarinetti's version of I Remember Christmas on the Lost Map Christmas card. Thank you to Emer. We'll have more top five Christmas things with other people later in the programme. When lockdown first happened earlier on this year, I was sat at home looking after the kids, unable to tour. The tour had got lined up back in March and April was cancelled, obviously. And like everyone else, I was sat at home over the summer instead of lording it up at festivals. So yeah, I just immersed myself in music. I'm lucky with Lost Map, a lot of people send us their music. We've worked with a roster of over 30 different acts since we first started. And there's all sorts of side projects from different band members and I love hearing all the stuff that they create. We get sent a lot of demos and unmastered mixes of music that people across the world, although predominantly within the UK, have sent to us. I try my best to reply to those that get in touch. Admittedly, a lot of the stuff that we receive isn't really to my tastes, but I enjoy listening to it all the same just to get a picture of where people are at, who the big influences are, different production styles and what type of sounds are being used. 2020 was going to be a busy one for us anyway, as we'd had a lot of stuff from within the collective that we had scheduled to release in the first half of this year. Some records we'd been planning for about a year beforehand, plus there was all the visitations releases that we had. The second half of this year was looking a bit more open, and in June and July we received music through our website webform from Sulka, Jenny Moore's Mystic Business and Kinboat, and their timing was really great. The music is easily the best new stuff that we've been sent this year. It immediately grabbed me. And we were in a position where we could help release this music, which has been really exciting. It's a funny situation as normally I meet people in person before we start working with them. But with these acts, we've not met in person since agreeing to release their music. Everything's been done on the phone and email. We've had a lot of long phone call conversations. Matt Gibb, aka Kinboat, was the first of these three to send us his stuff. He's a young dude from East Lothian who's just graduated from university in Aberdeen. He was part of a collective up there called Reanalog, who have since relocated to Glasgow and are operating under the name Almost Ghosts. Matt's music has this woozy, psychedelic pop feel. He writes these really condensed songs that are packed with different textures. It's a particularly enjoyable listen on headphones. When I first heard it, it put me in mind of the album Up in Flames by Manitoba the previous alias of Caribou's Dan Snaith. Matt's got a similarly engaging voice and his singing in diaristic lyrical style give his music a warmth that can be missing from a lot of other electronic pop records. I had a chat online with Matt a few weeks ago about his involvement with Reanalog, the importance of being part of a collective, his approach to making music and the story behind his captivating debut album, Shifting Distance. Distant views create themselves in our Tell us a bit about Aberdeen and about your time up there, because you were part of a collective called Reanalog. It sounds like quite an interesting scene that was going on there that seems like quite separate to the regular sort of gigging circuit that exists in other cities. Like in Aberdeen, I should imagine you have to kind of make your own fun to some extent. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry to any Aberdonian <laughs> listeners, but you know, <laughs> I lived I lived in Fife for about 12 years. I know what it's like. But the what's the clubbing scene like in... In Aberdeen, there is a few places, isn't there? Oh my god! I mean, I'd say there's like f- for the population, there's probably like a much higher like ratio of clubs to people. 
than other places. Like there's so many clubs and there's just like such a wide variety of tastes are catered to through the like the clubs in um in Aberdeen. And yeah, I just feel like it is like the uh, the big thing. Especially when you start uni and me coming from like a tiny village. It is pretty mad, all these clubs and all this just like really crazy nightlife. Was the club scene at all affiliated with what you were doing with Reanalog? Was Reanalog any part of that? Yeah, I mean, definitely So some of my friends ended up like starting a club night, which then ran for the whole four years. Mm. So we had a sort of like partnership with that. It would always be like our music thing, you know, more of a chilled out sort of music thing or sometimes even a poetry thing. And then it'd be like, oh, but the after party is at such and such. And then, you know, try and herd everybody to the after party at the our friends club night, you know. Well, so yeah, when know. when did you get involved with the Reanalog thing? It was your friend Ian McCartney who started it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And Ian is now he's moved on to like this this new almost ghosts thing, which I think is like a spiritual successor for me and and Sam, who's the other guy who came in when it was starting. It was almost just like Ian has this thing, and he literally had it planned out from the first event that we did all the way to the end it was like had like a built-in sort of self-destruct almost you know (laughs) (laughs) and he was just like it was basically trying to keep up with ian if you know what i mean because he has so many plans so much energy so many like connections and he's just always organizing this hosting this and you know and we would just sort of try and help in any way we could so what was it he was was he like he was a poet he's a poet right yeah yeah um, poet and like a, a writer mm. um, but he's like he's very into the kind of performance poetry that kind of stuff and there mm. there was already a pre-existing scene like around the Aberdeen Uni like club for for poetry the English Literature Society but he did like the first event we got um, you know Noi, Noi Riki is that how you pronounce it? Oh yeah that's right yeah Noi yeah yeah we got Michael Peterson from mm. Noi Riki up for the first one I know, like, I'm, I'm not that plugged into, like, literary or, like, poetry scene. So he was booking people and, like, get, you know, doing these events. And I was just sort of, like, helping in any way I could. But I honestly, like, can't can't tell you much about that aspect of it. It was just... But you were when, contributing stuff yourself as well, right? You were doing, yeah. creating music predominantly. Yeah, it, it, was, it was, like, a certain point, me and Sam, who was the other, like, very music musical guy. Is in this it, Sam we Anger? Like, Sam Anger, yeah, mm. aka Melodious Funk. Right, yeah. I was checking yeah. some of his stuff out because he's got a co-write on the record, right, on your album. Yes, he does on one song, yeah. And I was checking some of his stuff out online on his website and he's done like short films and stuff. And yeah, it's all really arty and it's very mm. cool. It's really nicely, like the production values and all this stuff is really, it's really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he like, he has a huge amount of energy to do all this creative stuff as well. Like it was, it was really great to just sort of meet people like Sam and Ian because you feel like your own like energy to do creative stuff and like, you know, do events and stuff is just multiplied by people like that. But <laughs> the good thing about a collective is that you've, you know, you surround yourself with like-minded people and it inspires you to create more stuff yourself, right? Definitely, definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah, Ian in particular and then the, the music side of it, like it was Sam who instigated us like doing these music only shows me and sam lived together and we had this weirdly uh like cavernous flat which it was so cheap it was like 250 quid each a month wow was the rent but it was like weirdly like the, the um living room was this massive 
huge space. And he was like, We're gonna, we need to do like a show in there. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> this is going to be a bit like... We've got all, we're surrounded by all these clubs. Why don't we just go to a club? (laughs) I know, but no, like once the idea had taken hold, he was like, we're doing this. Cool. And we got, yeah, we booked this, um, this amazing musician, Jennifer Walton, Mm. who is a touring member of Carica Benito and does like her own, like insane, like experimental kind of clubby electronic stuff. Wow. And we, yeah, we got this like, this sound system. We managed, yeah, like, I just felt bad. Like, obviously, it was a very, like, loud and we had to deal with a lot of neighbour complaints. But I bet. (laughs) (laughs) We just went, like, beforehand, we went around and we wrote all these little notes and put them under the door. Like, hey, it's our our joint uh, 21st birthday, so we're having a wee, wee party, so please let us know if it gets too loud. And yeah, we managed to get away with it just... But, but Sam Angers now, he's currently in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Sam was, I'm afraid, uh, nicked. Distant views outlast the gazer you said. But I'll go walking in the winter. Go walking in the winter. So do you feel like that being part of that thing developed your sound as where you are just now? Definitely, definitely, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was literally in my first year Hall's room. You know, I had this, like, the mic, the same mic as I'm, like, talking to now and everything. Mm. I used to get guitar lessons on a classical guitar. And that's actually now the only acoustic guitar I have is nylon string classical guitar. Bought it secondhand. Who knows how long it's taken since the strings were changed then. And I never changed the strings even from buying it. I bought it when I was, what, like 12 or something or 13. And the strings still haven't changed. It's got like a very unique sound because just all the strings on it are probably over 10 years old. Wow. Um, (laughs) And I was just like playing that into the mic and singing with no pop filter. So it had all this like really awful sibilance. I didn't know also how to like EQ or compress or use DS or anything that would like help that. So those like those first recordings I was making that, you know, were just like, they're almost painful to listen to, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day, Sam, I was using Garage Band, Sam came over, he was like, oh, we should make a tune together. And I was like, okay. And he like brought up Logic. I was like, oh my God. And he was like, he basically taught me how to use Logic and taught me what EQ was and what compression was and like all this stuff over the course of like a couple of days when we were trying to make this song together. From there, I started like learning online and stuff. But like, I do honestly would like credit him just like forcing me to learn that kind of stuff in like the first couple of weeks of first year. I think that's a really good way to go about it as well as learning from a friend and kind of getting the basics on things and then discovering, you know, how to create stuff from there yourself and kind of using what limited equipment you have to kind of develop your sound. And it's interesting because like your album wasn't made using a load of different instruments really was it it was a fairly simple relatively simple setup is that right yeah i mean the, i feel like there's a bit of bass and then the aforementioned like guitar the really the the 10 year old strings nylon guitar you should change the strings come on oh i, I feel like i like the way it sounds now like i'm <laughs> like i'm attached to its weird like it's weird very very dull sound you know 
Cool. Um, and then, yeah, the, the wee keyboard thing, which is like a charity shop by um, Yamaha. A little Yamaha keyboard. This is interesting because the, the record that you've made is really textured and ha- there's like a lot of really interesting sounds going on. And I remember the first time hearing it, you sent me your music over the summer. Mm-hmm. There was like a little three track sampler to begin with that you sent. That I listened through and I was like, oh, this is mm-hmm. this is really good. And then listen to the full album. And there's just so many different textures going on with each track. There was just a lot of movement in terms of the sort of stereo mix of everything. There's it just shows that with quite limited setup you can create like really full sounding, atmospheric, psychedelic tunes. It's really great. Thanks. Well done. <laughs> Like the, the crappy gear that I have, you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 I just use it in a very functional way, but like most of the actual like creative stuff and the stuff, which maybe the textures you're talking about is all just like all in the computer mm. and like the recordings that I actually make, there's nothing like interesting or like high def going in. It's all just like getting processed and like really, uh, really stretched around. If you know what I mean? In, in the computer. I really like short songs like the, the first Frankie Cosmos album. Mm. Have you ever heard of her, Frankie Cosmos? I have. I think I came to her records a little bit later. What's the one with Fool on it? I know that one. Uh, that's the second one, um, which is like longer. Oh. Um, <laughs> but no, it's not th- longer. It's still, got re- it's still got a ton of really short songs, yeah. but it's like 45 minutes. But the first one is called Zentropy. And like when I was 17, 18, I was like, absolutely obsessed with that I listen to it non-stop because it's like half an hour album mm. and each song is like under two minutes there's no I don't think there's a single song over two minutes and each one is like this little like story or it's like a little as you say like a fragment and it's just so satisfying to just like go through them you know and you feel like it's like a nice little experience in the half hour at the moment there seems to be quite a huge swathe of artists who are quite young artists who who do quite short albums and you know the tracks are relatively short is it to do with short attention span <laughs> I do, yeah you've rotted your mind yeah now you want to I mean, rot our minds with your tiny tiny songs <laughs> <laughs> it's like i think about like a kid who you know, would be growing up like now, you know, mm. and there is this sense that like the the screens and the phones and all that, you know, iPads have like fully like broken through and everybody just has one, you know, all the time. And I was like on the cusp of that, you know what I mean? I had like a wee flip phone, iPads or anything like weren't quite in, you know, I, wa- I didn't ha- have my attention span like start to be eroded by always having this like phone in my pocket you know from day one and that kind of like came a little bit later but still like just growing up in the internet in this like age is definitely like affects you and how you like process things and like the patience you have for like you know taking things in not really being able to see anything anybody and just being like stuck in my room all the time is making me productive you know i am like churning out tunes oh really you're writing but, a lot of stuff just now yeah 
without the distractions of like going out and like seeing people, <laughs> I do end up in this mode where I just kind of like think about it all the time and then just like, you know, you just have a lot of time to just think about this kind of stuff. Slippery with soap and water, rushing like lambs to the slaughter. Shifting Distance, the new album from Kinboat, is out on limited edition CD on Friday, December 4th. You can purchase it from the Lost Map website or from our Bandcamp page. I'll put the link in the show's description notes. Postmap Club members should look out for a discount code in their newsletter. Hmm. Now, Friends of the Guinness are a brand new pop group made up of friends from Glasgow that consist of members of Happy Spendy, Martha Fionn, Mr Romeo Taylor as well as members of Savage Mansion and Catholic Action. Some of them are Irish, some of them just like booze. Hopefully they also like legal proceedings, because if anyone from Guinness is actually listening to this, then... Anyway, their debut recordings as a group are on the Lost Map Christmas card, the songs Kira and Town for Tomorrow, the first of which we're about to play. But before we do, we have Beth Chalmers from the band, who's going to disclose her film choices for another round of top five best things that are Christmassy. Top five best things that are Christmassy. Oh, films. I'm in some of them. <laughs> Hi, this is Beth, and I play in brand new pop sensation all-star supergroup Friends of the Guinness. And these are my top five Christmas films. Straight in, number five. It's obviously Die Hard. I know a lot of people say that Die Hard isn't a Christmas film, but it is. It's set at Christmas, just like Home Alone is set at Christmas, and that is quite obviously a Christmas film. So I won't hear an argument against it. Brilliant piece of cinema. 
Also, John McLean's wife's name is Holly, which is extremely Christmassy. So it's a Christmas film. Thank you. Um, number four, we have The Snowman, of course. Beautiful falsetto, voice of an angel, that wee boy. There's a really good bit where the snowmen are having a party and there's a snowman or a snowwoman in the corner and they've got two sandwiches in either hand and they're taking bites out of both of the sandwiches to the beat of the music and I just think that's a really good dance move that one day I hope to copy. Number three, Muppets Christmas Carol, a classic. Fun fact about Muppets Christmas Carol is that the ghost of Christmas past is like floating in the air and obviously it's a puppy. Puppy, it's not a puppy, it's a puppet. And obviously it's a puppet. And uh, the way they filmed that was in a tank of baby oil shot on a green screen. So that ghosty is not actually floating. It's, well, I guess it's floating. It's floating in baby oil. Pretty sexy. Number two on my list of Christmas films. These are definitely not Christmas films, but I once watched all three of them on Christmas Eve and stayed up all night and it really ruined Christmas Day and I still don't understand why it happened or why I let it happen. Um, But that's Lord of the Rings, all three of them, extended versions. That's a true story. I did that and it was not that long ago and I'm embarrassed about it. Great films, of course. Wonderful books, beautiful stories. There's not even a Christmas in Middle Earth, but it's made it onto the list. And my number one Christmas film is called Christmas Chronicles. And I watched this last year on popular streaming platform Netflix. <laughs> and it's, it's a really odd film. I don't recommend that anyone watches it. Kurt, Kurt Russell plays Santa Claus. And it's kind of the classic plot where, you know, children are like looking for Santa. And this one's very modern because these children have got cameras that are like you know, secret and they're trying to record Santa coming into the house. Basically, these children stow away in Santa's sleigh. So basically, the long and short of it is that Santa somehow ends up in the jail. I think he maybe beats someone up in an alleyway, actually, but don't quote me on that. And he ends up in the jail, which is, you know, a classic American jail, which is a a large cage full of people in the corner of an office. So you've got your photocopier, your coffee machine, and your prisoners all in the same place. I'll never get past that. And he's like, he's looking around and he's chatting to his fellow inmates. And one of them just happens to be Stephen Van Zandt of the E Street Band fame. And also the Sopranos. And then suddenly the lights dip and there's this 40-piece blues band. And they sing this really sexy song. It's so bizarre. So I'd highly recommend looking up that clip. I think it's available on the YouTube. But yeah, don't waste your time with the actual film. And that's my top Christmas film pick, my number one, Christmas Chronicles. Christmas this year is definitely a weird one, but um, wherever you are and uh, whatever you're doing and whoever you're with, I hope that it's really joyful and that you have a really great day. Uh, Merry Christmas on behalf of me and my buds, friends of the Guinness.
Welcome back. I mentioned earlier on that I hadn't met up in person with Jenny Moore's Mystic Business. That's not quite true. Jenny was an original member of Bathyan with Serafina Steer and recorded on their debut album Yes I Yan, which we released on Lost Map. We played a gig together, in fact, in London's Moth Club back in 2016. Jenny is a performance artist and musician from Canada originally, although she's been based over in London for quite a while now. She's a member of F Choir and the dance punk group Charismatic Megafauna. With her mystic business, Jenny's assembled a feminist punk choir. There's currently a core group of six of them, and they've recorded a batch of politically powerful songs that are driven by vocal harmonies and fused with an R&B pop feel with a DIY swagger. I Am Afraid is the current single, which features on this month's set of postcards and comes with a remix from Free Love. We'll hear that just after Jenny reveals her first gig. Worst gig. In First Gig, Worst Gig, we ask artists to let us know about the first gig they attended as a punter and the worst gig they ever played as an artist. Excuse me. First gig, worst gig. I've been told that the first gigs I went to were my dad's gigs. So he was a kind of like, like a Jesus freak, singer-songwriter kind of guy. And also made a record in the 80s, which used synthesizers, which was like really rad at that time. So it must have been that era in the 80s, since that's when I was a, a little baby. I was there in a community center or maybe a church or something like that. And I was there with my mom and my dad was the gigger, <laughs> the musician on stage. I think I was two and a half years old. And I don't know if it's just that this story has been told to me a number of times or if I actually do remember it. But supposedly I heard my dad start the gig and I sort of started to go towards the, like basically run towards the stage. And I tripped on a like brutalist concrete step that was like these steps going up into the into the venue and I basically like curbed myself so I tripped with an open mouth sorry this is really gruesome with an open mouth with my teeth bang down onto the concrete step and supposedly all of my teeth all the little baby ones I had went bang straight up back into my gums and that was the first gig I went to was the show any good no idea I was probably screaming And have I seen that artist again since? Many times, in fact, I have seen my own father since. I'm lucky to say that, um, although he does live in Canada, and so I haven't seen him in a while, but I have seen him and played with him and heard his luxurious velvet voice many times since, although his musical endeavors went in many different directions. He's always been one of my faves. All right, and the worst gig. So I play in this other band called Charismatic Megafauna, which is a kind of dance punk trio. And we were booked to play the Five Bells in New Cross in London, which is generally like a really rad place to play. There's an old stage right in the middle of the big pub and it's like a really big mix of people and it's usually really fun. So we got booked to play there and we try not to play too many gigs where like we're the only people who aren't men in the room or on the stage. So we were asking the promoter about that and he was like, yeah, cool. Like obviously, yeah. 
and actually, do you know anyone? So he couldn't find any other female bands, supposedly. So that was, you know, he was really sad about that. So we were like, all right, whatever. It's a bit late in the day now. We did find one other and they agreed to play and it was Witching Waves and they were awesome. So we all showed up. Um, he asked us to come for a sound check at like six as is normal except kind of in the afternoon he was like oh but I didn't realize that they're also showing the football that night so he asked us to come at six o'clock for a sound check which we didn't come for because we were like that's ridiculous you're gonna all be watching the football which was like not even a real football game or something it was like a, a friendly that when I arrived at nine for the beginning of the gig was being watched by one person <laughs> in the pub which is huge and that one person was watching this um, friendly game. So we, none of us sound checked, but we did sit around for quite some time. Witching Waves played to three people and they played a really awesome set, I have to say. And then another person played to about four people. And then it was 1130 at night on a Tuesday in London where the pubs close at 11 and... <laughs> The game was finally over and the other bands had played and the promoter himself had gone home because he needed to catch the last train. And it was time for Charismatic Megaphone to play. <laughs> and for some reason the pub didn't close, but like there was no one there because <laughs> all pubs were supposed to be closed and there's no live music license so we were there without the promoter who also didn't pay us because he was like yeah not that many people showed up because they didn't tell anyone about it and the football was on and so we played like our lives depended on it to the barman who was cleaning up and to two very loyal friends who had waited from about 7 p.m. when the when the um, gig was advertised to have begun till about 10 past midnight when we <laughs> when we ended up playing our gig. I think I did learn a lot from that. One thing which is that it is really fun to just play gigs for your friends. There is still an element of like intense joy and liberation and kind of like ridiculous power that comes from still putting the whole costume on and the face and the makeup and the light show and um, screaming your head off. I also learned that my suspicion about men who book non-male bands because they think it's trendy and because they need to increase the number of women on their um, Facebook page. I was right to be suspicious of that. <laughs> I have been taught to be afraid. I have been taught to be afraid. I have been taught to be afraid of myself and what I love. Ooh. 
face of everything Really I want a home By myself I want a home By myself I want a home By myself And I feel alive It's about time for another top five best things that are Christmassy. Here's Nicholas from the band Fell with his countdown of Christmas songs. Oh, I wonder what's going to be Christmas number one. Mm. Top five best things that are Christmassy. Songs? There's a few about me as well. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's Nick here from Fell, your favourite festive fun band and uh, here's my top five Christmas songs number five Wild Billy Childish Pandan Christmas that sounds like what it says number four is Cultureside Depressed Christmas and that is basically a guy singing over the top of White Christmas and making the lyrics very depressing and suicidal number three is Fairy Tale of New York by The Pogues. It's a bit obvious, but uh, it's good and that's fun to dance to, maybe. Um, number two, Christmas Wrapping by The Waitresses. That's the best one. Well, apart from our number one this Christmas, new song coming out on Lost Map Records for Christmas 2020, and what a Christmas that's gonna be. And um, this song, is called Fear of Christmas and it's by Fell. Nice to not see you, nice to say things to you. Happy Christmas and maybe we'll see you in 2021 in real life somewhere. Okay, happy Christmas, take care, bye bye. And if I open up my mouth, some
tune. When Nicholas sent me that, he said that the tune was intentionally reminiscent of the theme tune to the TV show Heartbeat, which I think we can all agree has a certain seasonal feel. It did make me wonder if Nicholas's surname was Berry. Oh, Nick Berry. Anyway, now it's time for... This or that? Is it this? Or is it that? It's the quiz show in which we ask people, is it this? Or that? Is it this or that? This month's This or That features questions being pelted like snowballs to the robotic face of A.R. Pinewood. Our Cybernaut Cowboy agreed to take on your festive questions, so prepare yourself for 90 seconds that you're never going to get back. Hi, I'm A.R. Pinewood, and I'm ready to play This or That. Baby Jesus or Adult Jesus. Baby Jesus. Chicken run, or Wallace and Gromit. Chicken run. Chips in my stocking, or chips on my plate. Chips on my plate. Chris Rea, or Noddy Holder. Noddy Holder. It's Christmas. A cold potato, or a cold parsnip. A cold potato. Eggnog. Or boiled eggs? Boiled eggs. EP or LP? <clears throat> LP. Little donkey or a big donkey? A big donkey. Macaulay Culkin or Joe Pesci? Macaulay Culkin. I'm not afraid anymore. Mistletoe or wine? Mistletoe. Pigs in blankets or pigs? Pigs. Santa Claus or Satan's Claus? Santa Claus. Six geese are laying or five gold rings? Five gold rings. A star at the top of a Christmas tree or an angel at the top of a Christmas tree. A star at the top of the Christmas tree. A tenner in a Christmas card or just a really rubbish present? Just a really rubbish present. The folk police or the jazz police? Or the jazz police. Thank you, James. The Queen's speech or not being a fucking scab? Not being a fucking scab. Wait for a vaccination or have a big vacation? Wait for a vaccination. Virgin Mary or Bloody Mary? Bloody Mary. Roasties or marsh? Roasted potatoes. I haven't seen you for a while and a half 
went through gently and I heard you laugh I know the ocean could turn to rock Suspended motion until we talk Suspended motion until we talk We both know it's not so far There are reasons and there are rules Tis the season for love's sake fruits Tis the season for love's sake fruits Go. A.R. Pinewood contributed a whopping three Christmas tunes to this month's Christmas card compilation. If you would like to hear the tracks in full, you can do so by signing up to Postmap Club. We'll send you the Christmas card, which has got tracks from Happy Spendy, Marble Gods, Happy Clarinetti, Fell, A.R. Pinewood and Friends of the Guinness. If you sign up during December, you'll also receive postcards from Jenny Moore's Mystic Business, Kinboat and we'll have some brand new music for you at the end of the month too. Go to lostmap.com forward slash club. If you'd like to submit your questions for this or that, please send an audio recording with just the question to club at lostmap.com. Recording on your phone is fine. Send it in this month and we'll have a prize for the shittest question. It'll be a shit prize. This month's shittest question was EP. Or LP. That was pretty bad, that one, mate. You'll be hearing from us. We've pretty much reached the end of the show now. I know it's a very weird time, but all of us at Lost Map wish you a very peaceful Christmas and New Year. We'll be in touch again soon with news of some special things that we've not announced yet, but I don't want to ruin the surprise. Before we go, we can crowbar in another top five best things that are Christmassy. Yes! This time the subject is an important one. Booze. And our contestant is important too. It's none other than Taz, a.k.a. Cool Jinzo, a.k.a. friend of the Guinness himself, Mr. Romeo Taylor. Warning, I think we just woke him up. You'll hear his new Christmas song with friends of the Guinness, Town for Tomorrow, after this. Merry Christmas. Top five best things ever Christmas Boozers. Mmm. What's that? Hello, hello, alright troops, I'm Taylor Stewart, otherwise known as Romeo Taylor, the sex appeal and the amazing new Glasgow mega band, Friends of the Guinness, and this is my top 5 Christmas boozies. Number 5 would have to be beer, I love beer, especially at Christmas, 
In 2015, I drank about 40 wee bottles of Budweiser across the whole of Christmas Day and I was hallucinating by the end of it. I got alcohol poisoning and I spent a week on the couch. Couldn't handle that nowadays. Number 4 would have to be Maduri. I love this crazy shit. It's so sweet and it's amazing with lemonade and of course it puts you in memory of the shite. Number 3 has to be eggnog. Now, I've never had this drink but it's a funny drink and you can't deny it. The dad for Fairly Odd Parents loved it. That's my only knowledge of it. He was mad about the stuff and as far as I'm aware, it's nice. Got to give it a place on the list. Number 2 is something that I have drank. It's Captain Morgan's Spice Drum. Now, this isn't the fanciest of Spice Drum and some rum snobs would even argue that it's not real rum. But to those snobs, I say this. Shut the fuck up. It's so nice with coke, it's like drinking caramel and my Uncle Alec gets me a bottle of it every year. It's really amazing. And finally number one. What's number one? Well, my number one pick for the best Christmas drink is... Guinness. Haha. <laughs> the delicious taste of Guinness. I used to be a Belhaven best guy, but not anymore. I'm a Guinness guy now, and so are all my mates. I hope you agree with all my picks. If you don't, I don't really care. Don't give a shit. But uh, I hope you're having. I hope you have a great Christmas. Uh, don't really. Don't worry too much about getting presents this year, troops. Just keep in touch with everybody. But if you insist on getting me a present, I'm really only wanting money. Ho ho ho.
The Lost Map Podcast was presented by me, Pictish Trail, with additional production and edited by Joe Cormack. It's been made possible with funding from Creative Scotland.